0: Okay, so I am sitting here with Lisa Carr and finally getting to do this interview and finally really getting to meet you, Lisa, and to really talk with you, even though it's via Zoom because we're in quarantine. I'm going to introduce Lisa. Lisa Carr is a successful stylist salon owner of over 25 years, a national business and life coach and a motivational inspirational speaker. She proudly shares her story of beating the odds of childhood abuse, foster care, suicide attempts, drug abuse, teen pregnancy and homelessness to send a message to others that no adversity is too big to overcome. Wow, Lisa, we're gonna unpack that but I wanna finish your bio because it doesn't stop there. Uh, Lisa's passion for helping others to see their true beauty, worth, and unending potential has led her to create her very own women's empowerment program called Hear Me Roar, R-O-A-R. I love it. This program in just two short years has helped hundreds of women to recognize their strength to overcome any circumstance and ultimately discover their true happiness and highest potential. She's also an adoring pilot's wife. I love that, which means a mostly single mom to five and a loving grandmother to five. I can only imagine Lisa in her spare time. She loves to read, cook, and spend time with her family. I love that you are a mom to five and a loving grandmother to five as well. I'm so jealous right now because I only have two kids and one grandson so far, one on the way. (laughs) Very jealous.
1: It is definitely the old saying, no offense, I hope my kids don't listen to this, but man, once you have grandkids, you wonder why you put yourself through the kids part, right? I know,
0: I know. I, I was saying the same thing. I said, do you mind if I love your son more than I love you? And my daughter gives me this blank stare. So <laughs> she'll understand someday.
1: <laughs> so funny. I'll, I'll zoom my kids and say, Hi, you know, and they're like, hey mom, and they're already I'm like, can you get the grandkids in the screen? I
0: miss them. I mean, I miss you too. (laughs) Oh, the same thing. I know when we were quarantining, she was in Michigan, I was in Florida. I said can you just send Aiden down somehow? <laughs> just put him in a baby car seat. I don't care if you come, but just please send him because I can't live without him. So. <laughs>
1: They're all going to therapy after this. Yes. Our grandma love, for sure.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes, 100%. So Lisa says her favorite part of her job is that she gets to help grow the people on her team into the best possible version of themselves and also feels blessed to be able to help them see their wildest dreams come true. She says her favorite part of her company is that we are family here. Our team is close-knit and moves as one unit instead of individuals. I also love that everyone here looks for ways and loves to give back to those in need. Lastly, I love that we are showing future professionals and our guests that there's no limit to what you can do with your life, no matter your circumstances. My goodness, Lisa. Well, first of all, you sent me your story of adversity because this is called the B-series podcast, which is untold stories of leadership transformation. And obviously you've had one of the biggest untold stories of transformation. And I love how you took your adversity and became an advocate. That's what my book, Be Amazing, was about. Actually, I wish I would have met you when I was writing my book. I would have put your story in my book. So there we go. i have to add part of your story in there because it's unbelievable, but I want to read what you wrote, Lisa, because it's, you're a really great writer. I'm, I'm assuming you either have books or you're writing books because you need to write books because I believe everyone has a book in them. And I've actually was Mentoring a young lady that had been in a very similar circumstances you and I don't think she came out of it as strong as you have and I just I really applaud you my My cousin actually takes care of foster kids and families of foster kids. She has a nonprofit. And so I am imagining you potentially speaking to uh, Her teens that she takes care of because I'm like somehow some way you have to stay in my life forever because her adversity You guys get this. She was literally born into adversity. She says, when I look back at my childhood and where I should be statistically compared to where I am, I feel like I maybe could be a poster child for overcoming adversity. I was born into a home that was full of all the things that aren't exactly a Disney sitcom setting. Physical and emotional abuse were present daily as well as alcohol and drug abuse. At seven years old, instead of making decisions about what outfit to put on my Barbies, I was deciding where a good hiding place would be to protect my siblings from my dad's next violent tirade against our mom and later what to feed my little brother and sister for lunch while my mom slept off last night's party after my dad had abandoned us ripped out of my home and put into foster care at eight and being labeled unadoptable at 11, suicidal at 16, Pregnant and homeless at 17, and that's just the beginning of my nightmare adolescent story. So many times when I should have been able to be a kid and be able to count on the adults in my life to protect me and give me the love and happiness I craved, I was let down. So many hard, adverse things were thrown at me before I was even the ripe old age of 18 that I involuntarily became an expert at overcoming adversity just to survive the next awful situation. Living that life and feeling the feelings that came from such a traumatic start shaped me to a person to be more of the boss of me and my life. I, as a person, am not willing to sit back and let life nor other people determine my success, my well-being, and most of all, my happiness. I wake up every day with my attitude that this is my life. I am the one, only one, who can truly 100% love me always. I am the one responsible For my happiness and only i can live the life that's best for me as god put me here to do no one is coming to rescue me if it's meant to be it's up to me lisa when you hear that story is it just surreal or do you relive it and it's just amazing because here's the fact of what you've gone through you've been able to almost like get through, so to speak, but able to use that adversity, to become an advocate for people. And I believe that everything that we go through is not wasted, but most people don't see that, Lisa, most people are so stuck in their circumstances. What's that untold story? Because all of a sudden you're telling your story and then boom, it's like gone, you know, like you're, you're this happy go lucky person. And just hearing you speak, What's that untold story? What was that journey for you to really discover that?
1: Well, I don't know if it's such a pretty, uh, uh, what do you want to say, a pretty aspect of my personality. Um, If any of you are very into the Enneagram right now, I love that study of personalities and Enneagrams. So I'm an eight, which an eight is kind of a bold, stubborn, go after it kind of person. And I didn't start out as an eight. And I know they say, you know, your experiences in your childhood and things you lived through. I really feel like I was probably a two, a, a feeler, very emotional, very needy, um, just craving love and acceptance at every angle, every turn. And um, I think that I just kept waiting for people to give me that. But there's two things that I think I learned over my personal journey and, and all the personal growth I've done. Number one, you know, especially with someone like me in, in the past and the life that I've led, I require a... T- fun of reassurance and love and acceptance, probably so much so that nobody could possibly give me that. And so I kept finding myself being let down person after person, you know, marriage, relationships, boyfriends, friendships, nobody could quite make me feel full and accepted and loved enough. And like I said, I don't think there was a person on the planet, other than God, of course, who I discovered, you know, was a wonderful place to turn to for that. But I discovered that what I needed needed to come from me. And also because I'm a stubborn eight, then I didn't need to rely on anyone else to give me that love and happiness and acceptance. I could create that for myself. And whether you didn't like me or not, it was okay, because I liked myself enough to know that I was enough to know that I was capable of anything I put my mind to. You know, the moment my transition changed is honestly the moment my daughter was born. Um, And I turned 18. And five days later, I had her so I was still a kid myself. But I don't know. I just looked in those big brown eyes and I said, you will never live what I've lived. No matter what I have to do, no matter how hard it is, you know, my, my repayment to God or whatever is that he put me here for some reason to make a difference. And I'm going to start with you and I'm going to do everything I can do to make sure that you never feel like your mom didn't love you and didn't take care of you. And that is probably such a simple thing and such a, it's not a big, crazy detailed, you know, Story, but it literally was that moment. I looked in her face and said, Mm. "You will never live. I've lived, and I'm going to do everything I was taught. I'm just going to do the polar opposite that has to be the right thing." (laughs) And I made mistakes. Don't get me wrong. She was experimental, but she turned out so good. (laughs) And I don't know if you know, she's she's a very successful stylist in my salon. She's over a hundred thousand dollar hairdresser in this little town, and she works three days a week. She's a fantastic mom. I mean you know, I can't take the credit. She's just a great kid, but that's literally, you know, what I've tried to do with her. Everything they taught me, I'm going to do the opposite. And I think that's right. So. Wow.
0: It sounds to me like you and I need to do mother daughter conferences. So cause I work with my daughter too. We just finished our book beyond common. So it'll be coming out very soon. We're just working on the final details. I love that. This is so huge. I love it. So you just, you made that decision. You said, I feel like it was like the Holy Spirit just breathing on you, just like the Holy Spirit did on me and just kind of shifted my mindset to say, Hey, no, this is going to be the life. But what I'm loving that you're saying, because, you know, talking about it, you can't grow people, you can't be a leader. So until you deal with these things first, Lisa, because we're human beings, we're not human doings. And so we have to deal with these things. And so I have a a company, it's a coaching company for salons called Next Level Salon Ownership. And we spent a whole month, which really should spend a whole year on this, on just fixing your leadership. And that's what you did. And the first thing is transformation begins in me. And you realize then and there, and with the help of Kelly with a coach, because I believe we all need coaches because we can't see those blind spots. So, and I know you coach salon owners as well, too. Let's talk through that process because I know there's uh, business leaders listening. I have a lot of entrepreneurs all over the world that listen to this, uh, but obviously salon owners, a lot of them listening to this. uh, They don't want to work on themselves. They just want to blame their team. They just want to blame their staff. And I know you've been there. I've been there. Uh, I collapsed uh, because of that. I had salon walkout. Uh, It was bad. uh, But it was then I realized, oh my gosh, Tina, you just got to fix you and all else will come together. Talk a little bit about that and maybe some stories of how you've been coaching people and also what's happened with your salon.
1: Yeah. So you just described me. I don't know if you were a mouse in the corner of my original (laughs) salon, but I, again, being an eight, you know, I, this is so funny. And the girls make fun of me, especially Megan, my daughter. You know, I literally, when I first did salon ownership, I thought, well, you've got to rule with an iron fist here. There can be no wiggle room. I want things the way I want them and they will be done that way. Or you will receive my wrath. But then I wondered why I felt like no one liked me and they were talking about me every time I walked into the break room, right? Yep. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why we weren't a family. And I actually had an epiphany, you know, going through the journey with Kelly and the coaching. And and I, he asked me one time who my favorite boss was. And so I, I said, oh, it was so-and-so. I loved that boss. Okay, well, why did you love them? Oh, they just, they saw something in me and they were always telling me how wonderful I was and that I had so much potential and they... He just really cared about me and mentored me and blah 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 and he said okay well are you that boss and i was like no no <laughs> <laughs> so why don't they like me right and nobody was listening to me and and when i had the epiphany on my journey of figuring out that i need to find out as their leader what they want in life and then help them get it and then they'll help me get it but even deeper than that i'm finding out just like our, our conversation started here is that when they're good personally all around personally good, feeling good, their professional success is unavoidable. They will explode professionally if I can help them get right personally. And so in my journey, I feel like that was my pivotal moment that I started concentrating more on them as people and their dreams and their goals. And and maybe they have anxiety that they deal with. Maybe they have some childhood trauma. Maybe they're in a bad relationship. I started concentrating more on helping them with those personal things, helping them feel better health-wise, you know, eating better, sleeping, schedule, those, the numbers then just started to explode. I mean, don't get me wrong. We do spend some time on numbers. Every business owner needs to. But um, when I started really, really focusing on helping them be the best they could be, they literally just gave me all of those things that I had been beating my head against a brick wall to have them do. And I'm sure you've experienced this as well, Tina. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's insane. And what's really funny to me what I really find funny is I thought this would be harder than it is, but I enjoyed this kind of leadership so much more than the clipboard and the Iron Fist, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was uh, the woman on double Wear Prada, you know, before yeah. my shift and change. You know, they could hear my my clicking heels coming through the school, and they're, yeah. they all scattered and went to work, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. That, that it's such true. a different...
0: Yeah. Yeah, we call it old Tina, new Tina. And, and I love this because, yeah, we, we share so much of the same stories and we didn't even know it. This is crazy. I love it. I love when you find someone that's had, you know, that realization too. And it's so huge because I love the fact that you said when you started focusing on them as people, and I think that's the biggest challenge here that with fixing your leadership is you just really got to care about people. I think most people go and become, you know, they go into suites. They go into... Uh, opening their own salon and, you know, me included, because I was unemployable. And so if you're unemployable, do you think anyone's going to want to work with you? I pretty much think not. So now you have to have this huge shift in mindset. And I love what you said earlier, Lisa, when you went into the foster home and you became the youngest, so you had to become a great follower. It's something... I have learned over the years, you've got to be a good follower before you can be a good leader because you have to be able to sense and feel what it's like to be a follower so that you can be there for your followers and find the right followers. Right. And I always tell uh, salon owners, you've got to find your Sean. Sean Chido is my CEO of all of my businesses. But I mean, he was kind of like handpicked out of nowhere and you might be surprised who that person is, but really looking for that most loyal person, that person that believes in your vision, believes in your dream because one is too small a number to achieve greatness. Talk about a little bit about that. And I want to dive a little bit into the personal management because I think a lot of uh, owners are afraid to go there and, you know, human resource, whatever, you know, like let's let that go, you know, let's just care about people. But talk a little bit more about that, Lisa, uh, with your team.
1: You know, I I love that you brought this up, Tina, because I think that that is also a huge pivotal moment in my salon ownership career. And I bet maybe you were there. Uh, When I first started, I thought to myself, okay, I've got to hire the best of the best, technically sound hairdressers on the planet, in order to be a successful salon, I mean, doesn't that make sense? We cut and color hair, so we need to have the best cut and colorist people out there. And you can imagine what kind of poop storm that created because they didn't bother to see what their personalities were or where their heart were. And so I literally had a salon team that was off the hook technically sound. I mean, that's how I interviewed you. You came in and you did a technical interview with me. You showed me your cutting skills (laughs) and your coloring skills. Uh I forgot to ask you if you were nice. And so I hired (laughs) all of these people and I had a staff of about 20, uh, 20 people. And I won't say that any of us, myself included, didn't have Um, a full set of emotional luggage that we were carrying around. And it just was a mess. And I just, um, you know, had an epiphany one day and realized that like, you know, honestly, you know, I remember my dad always telling me that if you can't teach it to a third grader, you don't really know it. And, and so I know I can teach, I can teach a third grader to cut hair. Well, I'm very confident of that, but I can't teach you to be a good human. And so that's what I started looking for. I didn't even do any more technical interviews at that point. I just literally spent mm-hmm. time with you. I had you come into my salon for the day and hang with my team and just see, like, are you a good human? Because I can teach you all the technical stuff, but you can't teach someone to be a good human. And I think that that is what owners are missing a lot today. I know when I go in and coach salons, they just their culture is so, so negative and so heavy and it's because they didn't make good choices as far as that. So I think that if I could give a nugget to a salon owner out there listening, your first battle is choosing the right team to, to fly with. You know, I, I have a saying that I say to some of the people I coach too that I say, you know, if you want to fly like an eagle, you can't hang with turkeys. And yeah. a lot of these salon owners are hiring a lot of turkeys and they're having a hard time mm-hmm. flying like an eagle. So um, yeah. I would that's a big part of it is, is getting the right people around you that are are willing to be open to change, willing to learn and grow and work on themselves. Um, you know, I tell people that I interview, I say, listen, we're always working on personal growth here. We're, that's never going away. We're always going to be working on that. Um, I personally check in with all my team members on Mondays and we do a little personal check-in. It's not about your numbers or anything. It's how are you doing physically, Mm -hmm. romantically, financially, that stuff. And, um, You know, I say to people, I'm okay if you don't want to grow. It's just that you can't stay here in our garden because if you're not growing, you're dying and then you become a weed and you know what weeds do to the garden, they take it over. So, you know, I've never had to fire anyone since I turned that, that corner, but I have had to love someone out the door and and just say, Hey, I appreciate that you don't want to grow, but you can't do that here. And I tell you that that's been such a strength that has become of my leadership that I'm not afraid to let someone go if we can't help them grow.
0: Yeah. And that's probably the best thing they ever did for them. I know uh, when I got fired from one of my jobs a long time ago, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me shift my behavior a- at that moment. And, and so you said something really powerful because I want to go back to, you know, if you're an Eagle, you know, bringing on turkeys, <laughs> I want to flip that around because who you are is who you'll attract. So if you think that you're attracting turkeys or chickens or whatever you want to call them, uh, probably you're a chicken or a turkey because people aren't gonna work. There, an eagle's not gonna work for a chicken, and so you've got to you have to raise that leadership lid. And so we can call it an eagle, you know, analogy. You have to be an eagle to attract eagles, and and so I think just really working on you. That's why I said you know fix your leadership first. Always have a coach to so help you through those blind spots. You know, have a counselor because I think. The counselor is going to deal with the past trauma that's undealt with. Well, a coach is going to grow you forward. So I think even having both in your pocket, because you may have that unrealization of of not taking care of some past trauma that's there, and something that I see a lot, and I see it a lot when I'm coaching different salon owners. Lisa is like almost this nonverbal. Um, uh, you could see this anger, kind of sadness. And I'm like, I bet there's some out undealt with trauma here. And so, and then I, I kind of go there a little bit with them. So I'm a life coach, I'm not a counselor, but you know, being around Amy has helped me a lot to be able to kind of dig a little deeper. And with my team too. You can ask my team, they'll say, Tina goes pretty deep with us. And but they're very grateful for that. And that's why I said, because as a leader, you have to think of yourself as a coach. Like Invest in yourself to learn these things and you'll be so glad you did because now all of a sudden you get to see your team we either they're with you or they're not with you, you see them soar. And so that's, I love the the conference that you have on ROAR because you get to see people soar because that's what makes me the happiest. And I would have to say that any human being, that that's what would make you the happiest to see people grow because of your mentoring and your little prodding that you have. We do something uh, called PPF every month, and it's a uh, professional personal financial. And so, what's your PPF? And so, we go through that every single month, and we don't even talk about their numbers. We just talk about like their financial goals that they have. Uh, that's that set. Let's shut up and listen, right? And so, the salon leaders do that, and we've really gotten to know our team in such a better way because people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Period. And they're not going to work for a jerk. And we live in 2020 now, and people are not going to work for jerks, you know, like they used to. People used to be loyal to the jerks, but they're no longer. So don't be a jerk. (laughs) So talk about that because I love one of the months we spend is on fixing your communication. And, and it's the one thing we fail at the most and work at the least. And I think this is still an area that I'm growing in Lisa. Talk about how, what's your communication plan in your business and help another salon owner another business owner to come up with a good communication plan?
1: Yeah, I I love that question, Tina, because I think that's also something that I hugely grew in, in my time of discovering myself to be a better leader. And and it's, you know, a lot of salon owners, they don't communicate because so-and-so might get upset or that rock star hairdresser might leave. If I talk to them about that, or, or if I change this rule, I'll have a walkout or, and they're living in fear. And I think that, that I can. I know, I shouldn't say, I can't imagine. I know that that is so heavy on a salon owner and it's so exhausting. And they're literally being held hostage by their team because the communication right. is just not there. And I feel like if you can grow as a leader, like you're saying, and get yourself um, emotionally clean and, um, and emotionally light, I guess I should say. You know, it no longer becomes, for me, the, the switch was um, anytime I, I discuss something with a team member that is uncomfortable or is something that they may need to work on, it's never because I'm judging them or that I think they're a bad person or, or, or ever do I think they're doing it on purpose. That's been a big switch for me is, you know, anytime you go into a difficult conversation, if you say, Tina, you know, you've been late every day. And I'm tired of it. And so I need you to change that. Your immediate response to that, because I came in all, you know, fifths of blazing, Mm -hmm. your immediate response is going to be defense. Where if I can come in and say, Hey, Tina, you know, when you hired in here, you were early every day, you looked beautiful. You were a five-star stylist here. And I'm just seeing that slip a little bit with you. I'm seeing you you know, come in later and later every day, you seem disheveled. And I just wanna know, how can I help you? Cause I feel like you're struggling. That's a whole different response from you than me coming in, guns mm-hmm. a-blazing, attacking you. And so, and I know, I don't know about you, but when I used to have difficult conversations with the team because I thought I had to go in and be forceful and, and you know, the boss, I would shake. My blood pressure would probably go through the roof. My heart would start pounding. I would sweat. I could barely talk without my voice shaking. And when I turn that around in my brain to say, okay, you know, I know, I I really have faith that no one on the planet, number one, wants to do something wrong on purpose, or number two is out to get me or my business. And I I can't say that I didn't have that, that attitude before coming from trauma, you know, you got to protect yourself and be defensive. So everybody's out to get you, Lisa, everybody's out to bring your business to the ground when that wasn't so. And so now I just go ahead and go, you know what? I know this person never means to do what they're doing. I know they don't want to be this stylist. I'm just going to go in asking and see what mm. is the problem and how can I help you?
0: Period. Yeah. You know? So I love that you said go on asking. That's one of our culture pieces in our schools and our salons is okay. So if someone's having a struggle, just go on asking, go on asking with a pure heart, pure mind. Like I'm just curious, you know, and, and I think Lisa, I think the challenge is because, Most business owners don't have an actual communication plan So the plan is when something is broke, then I'm going to fix it, but they wait a little bit too long. The emotions get super, super high. And I know we're going to call this be proactive because I love the message that you gave our future professionals. We're going to jump into some of those steps here in a moment, Uh, but we become reactive because we didn't deal with it within that 24 hours, so to speak, or allowing our emotions to subside because I haven't had to ask myself over the years, okay, Tina, why are you getting so uptight about this? Like, why can't you be calm? Like, why are you so upset? What, what's going on inside of you that you're so reactive? Is there some undealt with unforgiveness in your heart? Is there some undealt with situation? Is there some undealt with conversation that maybe I should have had with my husband or my kids or somebody? And, and so I think people take too long. And the leaders that I coach in my businesses, that's the challenge because you said, And they've become like these people pleasers, so to speak. Right. And self-proclaimed, I'm a people pleaser. And then they can't have that conversation. So talk to them right now about how they got to get themselves right first so that they can go into the conversation in a more gentle manner and not emotional manner.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think a process that I took on a while ago, and we use it in all facets of the salon, you know, I have directors. I'm only in my salon one day a week now, which as a salon owner, I'm so blessed to be able to pursue other things and, and kind of enjoy life a little bit more. I worked hard to get here, but I love that I can still get a salary from my salon and not be behind the chair at all anymore. And I'm only in there one day a week and literally just, I'll be honest, I've created such an amazing business that doesn't need me. And Tina, I think I've heard you say this before. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel sometimes I'm in the way when I go in there. And, and for a moment, I'm kind of a little butthurt over it. They're uh-huh. <laughs> like, hey, can you move? We got to do this. And hey, no, we don't do it like that. And, and uh-huh. I'm like, I don't even belong. But then I take a deep breath and go, how cool is this? I created mm-hmm. a place that's a half a million dollar salon that runs almost better when I get out of the way, which is super mm-hmm. cool. But um, anyway, communication wise, again, you know, those conversations were probably the biggest part of my stress and running the business was having these conversations that felt so hard. And I bet you're, you're, you've been there, you know, it's, um, so-and-so is late and you get all worked up and you mm-hmm. ignore it and shove it aside because, well, it wasn't worth it. And then they're late again, and then they're late again. And then, like you said, you have an argument with your husband the night before, and then they they, they go in, and they're one minute late, and you lose your shiz over the last six weeks that they've late 20 times. And unfortunately, that's not fair to either one of you. It's not fair to the Silas. and it's not fair to you as the owner to have that kind of conversation that's built up that much propane and gasoline to this conversation and so one of my rules of communication and I have this with my directors too is that we have to communicate about every single and this is praise and problems within 24 hours of the occurrence so if you see someone doing something right and you want to praise them make sure you do that within 24 hours in front of the entire team and then also, too, if we need some correction, we're going to do that within 24 hours, but we're going to do that one privately. We never, ever have those conversations in front of someone. And I think, you know, like you talked about, when we aren't proactive and take care of these things ahead of time, we can get reactive, which usually means we do it in front of other people. And then that causes embarrassment and things are said that shouldn't be. And, and so yes. we make sure that those conversations happen privately.
0: And I want to add something to that, because I think that one of the worst things you can do is to talk about a challenge about another team member. Even like even if you're a boss, let's say, and this is where I'm trying to get my leaders is to, yeah, come to us to help you with dialogue. That's great. Until you can get good at it. I think that's great. But at the same time, like just love your people and just go on asking. If you see it, you own it, just go to them. You know, you don't have to you know, have a long, drawn out two-hour conversation with us on our salon leader calls about you know so and so is driving you crazy because the more you talk about it, the more you breathe life to it. And I've been really—I uh, have a mantra called "Pray, don't say." And even if, let's say, let's say I have a staff member I'm really struggling with, I work really hard to not take it home to my husband because now he's going to get into it and be like, "Ah, you need to fire them." and all this stuff and getting planting seeds in my head when it could have been dealt with within five minutes, you know, and someone being late every day turns into you need to fire them. <laughs> and so I think just like really watching yourself and making sure that you're not like constantly venting about your struggles with somebody. It's almost like you're, you're drawing them in to buy into your anger so to speak. Talk about that. Have you ever done that? I know I do a lot and I'm catching myself. I'm getting better at it.
1: Yes, absolutely. I love that you're saying that, Tina, because, you know, in the depth of the, the hell of my salon, um, <laughs> at the point where things really were starting to self-implode, I couldn't figure out why my marriage was falling apart at the same time. And I'm thinking, mm. man, I've just been really dealt a bad hand here because this couldn't possibly be my fault. And, uh, you know, then when my husband and I really started to work on our marriage as well. And and when we were working with Kelly and getting, you know, that was a big personal thing that needed to be worked on. And, and, you know, he said, he said, honey, you know, I'm having a hard time because you come home and you unleash this whole giant bag of awfulness. But then the next day your team does something nice and you come home and tell me that you want me to think this place is the best place that's ever been invented. Planet. And he's like, I don't switch like that. <laughs> and, so, and then mm-hmm. I would get mad at him that he wasn't singing and dancing over what went well today because I had unbagged all of my garbage on him. And so uh, it, it's so true. And I honestly, I believe what you're saying too, Tina, the more you talk about the negativity of someone, the more you convince yourself that it's even more yes. awful than what you thought it was when it first mm-hmm. occurred. Yeah. Instead of just going and getting it out there and having that open communication, you know, I, um, my team laughs at me. And like you said, I get deep, you know, I'll literally go to someone and be like, Hey, can I be honest with you? I always start the conversation with that. Hey, Kaya, can I be honest with you? I could be seeing things all wrong. You know, I always make sure that I say I could be off here, but here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm witnessing. Are you seeing it like this too, Kaya? And how can I help you? You know? Um, and I think too, Tina, when we're talking about the conversation plan, I think an important part of our plan that I implement in my salon. Is that to make sure that your form of communication is their way and not your way you know i came from the old school where if you had a serious conversation with someone you needed to go in their office sit down behind in front of their big wooden desk and be scolded like you're in the principal's office and it's just not like that today a lot of Mm -hmm. kids relate better to a text conversation They may relate better to a messenger. Maybe they want to Zoom. Maybe they want to Snapchat or Marco Polo. And that's taken a lot of growth for me communication-wise because to me, no good responsible conversation to happen unless you marched them back into your office and shut the door. I wasn't realizing that kids of today or this generation, like that freaks them right out and shuts them down. And so I had to be flexible with my form of communication and make sure that I'm communicating in the way that they like. Or for instance, maybe you're like this, my husband- is not an off-the-cuff communicator where me, if something's going on, we got to talk about this right here, right now, in the middle of Walmart, we need to talk about the future of our marriage and your retirement plan. <laughs> it's not in my mind. <laughs> and, and my yeah. husband is a huge planner thinker. Um, if you ask him what he wants for dinner, he really has to plan that answer out because he doesn't want to give you the wrong answer. And it <laughs> drives me crazy. But, but I have to get on his page and I have to ask him, when is a good time for you to be open-minded
0: and be able to have a conversation with me? So powerful, Lisa. I just, I had an epiphany uh, because I have students that ask me all the time if they should go to business school. No, don't go to business school. <laughs> go get, learn how to be a great coach, go to a coaching school, learn how to be a great coach yeah. and, and hire a coach so that you can go through leadership training because leadership's a process, it's not an event. Spend your money wisely because hey, we can teach you numbers all day. I can make them fun and colorful. I learned it the hard way. And we can do, we can make it super, super simplified because bottom line is this, you can understand all the numbers you want to run your company. And while your staff is walking out that back door, because your team is your business. And you said something really big, Lisa, too, because I have i uh, probably 80% of our students raise their hand that they want to be business owners or suite owners. And then I ask them this question. I say, um, if do you really want to be a solopreneur or do you want to be a business owner? So a solopreneur only makes money while they're working in their business. Okay. Only makes money. So if you were to walk away and this, every salon owner I coach says this, if I were to walk away, the business would fail. Okay. You don't have a business then you bought yourself a job. That's all you did. You bought yourself a job. And so let me teach you how to become a business owner. I love the fact that you're like me, you walk into your business. I'm like, well, I can clean. That's pretty much all I know how to do. And especially now with, after this coronavirus, I mean, they're going to love me, you know, because I know how to clean. And I'm like, Hey, I'll teach you how to sanitize all day coming from dentistry, you know, but I love that because talk to that business owner right now that's stuck and saying, you know what, that's me this business can only survive because of me like I am my business I bought myself a job talk to them right now you know Tina and I love that we have both been there so we
1: can definitely relate with those business owners that are sitting there thinking that and you know one of the powerful things that I do when I first meet with a salon owner which I think is really eye-opening for them is I actually have them sit down and we get out a piece of paper. And we talk about how many hours a week they work on their business. And the things that salon owners tend to forget is if you're driving to the next biggest city to pick up supplies, if you're, you know, at home checking in with salon, you know, there's so many things that they only give themselves credit for behind the chair. You almost they'll say, Oh, well, I, I do, I do just 40 hours. Well, no, that's the time you're cutting hair to pay the bills. But what about this hours that you spend this And anyway, we get it all on paper and we add it up. And Most salon owners, I'm sad to say right now, are working 70 to 80 hours a week Mm -hmm. with everything that goes into running the business. And then we do this powerful activity. We figure out how much they're making an hour. And I got to tell you, Tina, the most that I've ever had a salon owner come up with, and they were the most successful, which was still sad to me, was $2.98 an hour, $2.98 an hour. And, you know, salon owners, that's not their dream when they start this journey. It wasn't mm-hmm. my dream, but I know I wasn't even making an hour when I was in that rut. But the thing is, is that they don't realize, you know, I bet you hear this. I don't have money for a coach. I can't afford to hire a coach. Right. I, you know, I love Tina Black. Her thing seems amazing, but I just can't afford her.
0: Right. The
1: thing that I realized when I did it is you can't afford not to because this mm-hmm. is only going to go on so long. And, like you said, God forbid if something happens to you as an owner, your whole place is going to expl- explode and, and basically implode. And then, do you have money for that to happen? What's going to happen to you? You know, is that does that mean bankruptcy for you? Does that mean you're going to lose your home? You know, so so just realizing that I know it seems like an expensive investment that you can't afford, but figure out a way. Even if you can buy an hour with a Tina, or you can buy you know a one time, you can do a lot of stuff with with a little thing. But but the thing is, and I bet you'll say this too, Tina. You know, I spent a lot of money on coaching with Kelly. I, I had him coach me for almost three years. And I'll be honest, don't tell him. I would have paid him twice to three times. <laughs> don't what tell I
0: paid. Kelly, close your ears, close your ears. <laughs> I,
1: <care laughs> I agree. Would have paid yeah. Twice to three times what I paid because the value in payback, not just money. I mean, my business quadrupled, quadrupled in income and is still growing but just the personal, the, everything that I got, my family is better. My marriage is better. My business. I mean, Mm -hmm. I couldn't be in a better place in my life. And honestly, when you ask me, where did that start? Where is that, you know, where is that starting line to this incredible finish to this Olympic run? And I have to say it was the day I hired a coach and got real about fixing the situation. And, you know, my dad always said, you, you get what you put into something. And if you're putting nothing in and you're not changing anything, nothing's going to change, right? If nothing's changing, nothing's changing. And so I think that would be my message to that person that's sitting there in this place going, Oh my gosh, that's me. Is that you've got to figure out a way to invest somehow into getting fixed because you can't do it alone. You said blind spots. You're not even, you think you have Mm -hmm. problems. You're not even seeing the problems for what they really are. You know?
0: Yeah. 100%. 100%. I love it. Yeah, don't go to business school. Forget about that. Just hire a coach and a counselor. So I have a couple of coaches and a, and a counselor in my back pocket for sure. And, and I love what you said earlier, because it was my realization a long time ago that leadership starts at home and I can't be a fool at home with my husband and expect that I'm not going to be a fool at work, you know, and it's just, it's that whole, that whole person, W-H-L, right? And so let's talk about a couple Aspects of being proactive and not re- reactive because you said some, you dropped some really powerful bombs the other day with my future professionals that I want to share. And uh, the first one was this uh, Number one, look like you know what you're doing uh, because people will only spend money with people that they don't think will need it. And that was powerful, because that's so true. I was thinking about some of my staff that can't afford it, but they'll go out and buy a Louis Vuitton purse, right? Or a Kate Spade purse, whatever. And they'll go buy it. It's like $2,000, right? And so, but... But, you know, there's poor people on the side of the street that are selling handbags. They don't buy those, you know, those little $10 handbags. And they're the ones who need it more. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Where did that come from? Because that was a powerful statement.
1: Yeah, I, I think honestly, you know, and I find this with salon owners. I find this with future professionals or stylists that are in school. You know, everybody's got all these dreams and things they're going to do. I'm going to be this. I want to be this. Um, and, and honestly with that message of being proactive, like literally, I don't think people get that today is your future. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like people will be like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be a hundred thousand dollar hairdresser. I'm going to own a salon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then your future starts today. You need to start being proactive and working on that today. So if you want to be a salon owner, let's think about what a good salon owner looks like. So you're, you're a future professional, Uh, in school right now and you're going to own your own business. Okay, so what are you doing right now to start that train going? So are you showing up before everybody else? Because if you're a leader, you should be there first and leave last. Are you showing up looking like someone who should be leading a company? Are you, you know, an example to your team of positivity and inspiration? All of these things, you should honestly be walking the walk before you get given the name tag, is how I like to put it. You know, if you want to be CEO, or you want to be hundred thousand dollar hairdresser, or you want to be, you know, I don't know, a runway stylist. You know, what are the things you're doing today to start creating that? Because I feel like people think that it's kind of like this virus, right? People think that when the governor says we can all come back out of hibernation on May 1st, that this virus is just going to go away and everything's going to be back to normal. It's not a switch. It's not, okay, it's Mm -hmm. turned off. And it's the same for that. Anything you want to be or become, you have to start being proactive and creating that person today. And I think that a lot of students and even owners, you know, oh, I, I, you know, think about an owner. I don't know about you, but I mean, I can't lie when I, when I was in beauty school and thinking about owning a salon, one of my dreams was to make money. And one of them was to have a business that I could come and go as I please. And I could work when I want to work. Well, we all know that wasn't realistic. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I was getting to pick which 80 hours of the week I wanted to work. Right. And so if you're proactive, you're doing the things you need to do right now to start being that person before somebody gives you the title.
0: Yeah that makes sense. One yeah, you gotta be there before you get there. I remember Kelly Carnivis told us that years ago. You know, I stalked him like crazy and I'm like, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love I love that you said first to arrive, last to leave. And and it's so funny because talking about a lot of them say, Well, I wanna, you know, own a suite or own my own business because I want flexibility. I'm like, Flexibility? <laughs> there's not going to be any flexibility there, none, like 24 seven. That's what we're talking about. Like you've got to say, okay, I'm going to live, eat and breathe this. I mean, there's some nights, you know, I've been in business 21 plus years that I'll be laying in bed thinking of things that I need to do the next day, you know, for hours. And so there's no flexibility in that at all. You're not shutting, it's not like you can shut it off. If you want to have right. flexibility and you want to shut it off, then work for somebody else's dream, You're right? Because then you're going to have that uh, more flexibility, maybe not all, but more flexibility as well too. So I, I love that you said that. And touch on, again, people will spend money with people they don't think will need it. Where did that come from? Because that's almost like a law, like a scientific law. Why is that? Why why will people only spend money with people they don't, they don't think they will need it?
1: Well, honestly, I feel like we're, you know, social media has been a huge part of it, I feel like. But, you know, think about it. We all want to be someone else that we look up to, I feel like. You know, there's always yeah. someone in our life, whether it be social media or someone you know in person. You're looking up and trying to be someone better than you think you are. And so if you... I feel honestly with the hairdressing world, you know, when a guest comes in to sit in your chair and they ask you how you are, I hate to say this, but they don't really care. It's a rhetorical question. And so if they're spending that hour with you and you're telling them all about how your life is so awful right now and your boyfriend left you and you can't pay your car payment and you're broke. And, you know, you think that that's getting them to spend more money with you or leave you a bigger tip, but it actually makes them have a little bit of pity on you and it makes them not want to invest in your future it brings them down and they they, when they go to pay they're kind of depressed they've got their own problems that they were hoping to unload on you which let's be honest we know we're stylists slash therapists slash psychologists slash right and so you didn't give them their time to to unload and feel better And, and if you think about it you know like I was talking about the Brendan Burchard thing When I went there, I literally coached myself. I'm not buying sweatshirts. I'm not buying books. (laughs) I'm not buying, you know, I left there with like all of it. The mug, the hat, the sweatshirt, the book. (laughs) And it's because he had me on fire and I was so excited. And I Mm. feel like we've lost that in hairdressing. We think that they've come in. And there are friends. And don't get me wrong, you know Janice that comes and sits in your chair, she probably loves you. But unless Janice is going to come to your house with her checkbook and write a check for your mortgage, she's not here to hear about your problems. She needs you to mm-hmm. lift her up and for you to be, it needs to be valuable for her to get to spend that hour with you every six weeks and for her to leave you feeling better than when she came in. And I think that that's the, the whole thing that we're missing As hairdressers we're becoming too frenzy yeah. and we're becoming too dependent on them to make us feel better. So, you know, I feel like, you know, I said to your team, when I was talking to this kids, I said, you know, if you went to the dentist and there was teeth all over the floor, you'd be completely disgusted and couldn't get out of there faster, fast enough. Would you be thinking about teeth whitening or any of the extras? No, you'd be going to get me the heck out of here. But yet us mm-hmm. as stylists, we can be dirty. We have hair everywhere. We have dirty brushes. We have, we look disheveled and we wonder why our guests aren't wanting to do those add-ons and wanting to come back and see us. And it's because that stuff isn't normal to them. There shouldn't be hair everywhere. You shouldn't look disheveled. You know, they're not going to take hair and makeup advice from someone who didn't do their hair and makeup. Right. So just being someone that they want to invest in someone they look up to is going to make them spend twice as much money as it, as, as opposed to you looking like someone who needs them to feel sorry for you.
0: I love that you said that. You said a couple of really powerful things, but look like and sound like, you know what you're doing, because that's where we have to be really great connectors and be professional in our conversations. Listen, your client is not your therapist don't unload your problems on your client, right? <laughs> They're paying yeah. you. Remember that you're not paying them. And yeah. so I, I think, you know, again, what we don't act on, we act out and we're going to act in, act out in our companies.
1: And I'm going to tell you another thing that salon owners, I feel like may shy away from, cause I was this person. I didn't want to open up any can of worms on any problems that they were feeling or fears, because then that might mean they would talk about it, realize it and walk out, right? The fear is always a walk out. And I've switched my communication style to: We talk about our fears. We talk about the what ifs. We talk about what's the worst that could happen. So we had our team of 12. We all got on Zoom. And I was here with my marker. And I said, everybody, I want you to open up to me. And I want you to tell me all your biggest fears about reopening. Like what are the worst mm-hmm. things that you're scared are going to happen? And we had some tears. And we had some emotions. But you know what? They got it out and then we never bring a problem without some solutions. That's the one rule I have. Nobody's allowed to come to my office or come to me with a problem unless they have a proposed solution. Doesn't mean yes. I'm gonna go with that, but it just keeps people from droning on the negatives and the problems and the fears. So we came up with the fears and you can see we got a big list of them. You know, we've got everybody wanting in at once. You can imagine, you know, what that's feeling like to my team. How are we gonna get everybody in? Um, you know, worried about their safety, are they going to get sick, all these different things that, like I said, were very heavy things. And then we just started, I call it a brain dump. So we brain dumped all of our fears. And then we turned around and we brain dumped all of the ideas for solutions that we could come up with that's going to make this opening the best for the guests and the best for the team. And they had a lot of great ideas, Tina. I think that's the other thing too. I don't know if you were ever there, but there was a time when I thought, well, I'm the leader, I have to come up with every solution, every system, every plan, and they'll follow it. Right. And what I learned was when they help come up with the solutions and the systems, they're so much more bought in and they're so much more willing to try these things and to go at them full force. So these are their ideas, not mine. I didn't have to sit here and, and rack my head against a brick wall of how I was going to fix this craziness called quarantine. They came up with all of this. And now my job as an owner is just to, um, you know, hone these all in, get a detailed action plan under each one. So, like, one of the ideas was maybe some buffer time in between guests for extra sanitation and cleanup. Okay, well, what's that gonna look like? I'm gonna go ahead and get that system on paper. I'm gonna bring it to my directive team in a separate meeting. We're gonna hammer it all out. We're gonna kill board it, I call it. I always take everything to my directive team. They kill board it, which means they say all the awful things to me that everyone else is scared to say to me. Lisa, that's a terrible idea. Lisa, that's never gonna work we get it all, you know, polished and beautiful. And then we're going to bring that actual system to the team. And then the biggest thing that I say to my team though, with change, because change is hard. People in general don't love change. And I feel like hairdressers are the worst about this. They hate change, Um, which cracks me up because they're the, they're the givers of change to so many people, but they don't like it for Mm. themselves. Mm -hmm. So what I tell my team always is, listen, we're going to try this, but if it sucks, we're going to change it. That's just purely what we say. So, you know, we're going to implement all this stuff, create some systems around it, some scripting for some different things, and then um, bring it out to the team and try it. And if it's bad, then we're going to come back together and start all over again. But I feel like, you know, these owners, I'm worried that we're just kind of sitting here. It is hard. We don't have a date to open. Um, But I loved what Terry and Steve Cohen said. Terry said that they were doing week one scheduling week two. That's a fantastic idea. Um, I'm going to steal that a little bit. But I, um, we're definitely getting some plans and systems and things on paper. Instead of just waiting until Monday night before that first morning open, that's going to be catastrophic if we do that, I think. Proactive. We need to make sure yes. we're looking at the worst case and then making a best plan for how to deal with it.
0: Every business owner needs to do this. I'm going to actually present this to our salon team. We've done some different groups, but I love the idea of pulling everybody together and talking about the fears. And what's the plan of action against that fear, right? Because you can either face everything and run or you can um, face everything and rise. (laughs) You know, so I love that you said that. It's beautiful. And also, I love your culture piece on communication. We'll add that to the uh, fixing your communication is bring solutions to your problems. Never bring a problem to me without solutions and that really i mean otherwise it turns into uh, excuse my language into a bitch fest and now all of a sudden you know that's i think most salon owners because they'll have a meeting and that's what it turns into and so as a communication plan you need to control those meetings what they would look like and so yeah if we're going to brain dump and have fears and challenges let's also have solutions next to it because otherwise now you leave that meeting and everybody's like wah 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 (laughs) that was bad this place is falling apart you know so i love that so number um so i put that as number three be clean but number four i want to um end it with this because i think this is really 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 powerful is the fact that you said uh just because you're a good hairdresser doesn't mean you'll be a good business owner you need to learn how to fall in love with numbers fall in love with retail because That's everything. And I always think of it. Kelly taught me this, that it's almost like the grade that your client gives you if they really trust you and respect you, if they purchase product and they pre-book with you. And otherwise it's like, okay, look in the mirror and say, okay, what did I not do to connect with that guest, to listen to them, to listen to their consultation because they didn't pre-book and they didn't buy retail. So it's almost that grade. So talk a little bit about those things.
1: And what I learned, honestly, Tina, was that anybody can open a business, but the whole thing is, is make sure you ask yourself, do you want a successful business or just a business? And to have a successful business, it's a lot of work. And I tell you, the biggest thing is you've got to be able to be your own boss. And so these people that that do the sweet thing and do the, the booth rent, I think that's a fantastic opportunity, but it's not for everyone. And it's actually not for most people because- You know, being a a business owner, even your little booth, that's a business. That's your own little business entity right there. If you're not disciplined enough to um, make sure that you give that guest a great experience and they trust you, you know, I tell people as far as retail, you know, you think about this. So a guest comes on average every six weeks. Okay. So that's like 42 days. And if they only look good on day one of 42 days, because you didn't give them the proper education to send them home with the tools they need. To be your billboard, then we've got a real problem here, right? Because you've lost out on 41 days of advertisement of you and your work. And so that beautiful color or that cut, you and I both know that can look really awful if it's not done with the right tools and the right steps to do it. And so I tell my team, you know, I know, you know, you hear, I'm an artist, I'm not a salesman. I hate, I don't want to be pushy, I'm not salesy. And I tell them, listen, you'll never have to sell if you educate. And so all I'm telling you to do as the professional that you are, you know, you would never go. I always use the dentist, Tina, and It cracks me up. I had no idea you were in dental because <laughs> I use dental. I love but that. I, I, teach, I say, listen, what would happen if you went to see your dentist only every six months, but they did tell you that you need a toothbrush and toothpaste and you need to mm-hmm. purchase things and floss and, and all of these things. Your teeth would be a mess and no one would be going, wow, who's your dentist? Your teeth are beautiful. They're white. They're they're this. And it's the same with hairdressing. You know, we think we're a rock star. If they're in our chair, and we swim spin them around into the mirror, and they're like, Oh, my gosh, Tina, I could never do what you do. You're amazing. And we're back there taking the credit and thinking we're just the best thing since sliced bread, when really for 41 other days, they look horrible. And people are not saying who cut your hair. They're saying who cut your hair. Mm -hmm. And so we need to make sure that these people are walking billboard. I'm so proud to say my salon is very busy. My girls are super busy and we don't pay for an ounce of advertising. We don't buy ads. We don't, you know, I feel like I wouldn't pick my dentist out of the newspaper ad. I'm not going to run an ad for hair. I'm not saying (laughs) that's wrong. Very true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't need that when my guests go home with all of the appropriate products to make themselves look exactly the way they did when they were in my chair. And the same with the education, the tutorials, everything. We teach them to use all that stuff. And I think a lot of owners and stylists are missing that the puzzle of being a professional. Like I said, you'd never go to any other professional and not have them recommend either items or systems or things that you need to do in between time to have the best outcome, right? And for some reason, stylists yeah. think that's a faux pas. We can't do that. And we're really disservicing our guests by not doing that. So that's kind of what I teach yeah. my team as far as, you know, doing retail and pre-book and all of that stuff. So I really want to write a book about my journey just because I do feel like we're, we're becoming a victim mentality, unfortunately. And, and I do think it's some of us parents who are trying to create the best childhood ever for our kids. And we've gotten mm-hmm. into a little bit of a victim mentality. So I want to work on a book that just talks about my journey and how you can overcome any, you know, adversity any challenge. Um, And then also too is the roar. Obviously I'm loving that it fills my heart so much just because I know there's so many people out there that have been through what I've been through or other things. And I just want them to hear that roar. You know, I I did that because it reminded me of a lion, um, how they, they are very quiet, kind of hidden animals, but when they need to, their roar is really loud and they really come out at Mm. you and fight every time. And, And so that's kind of where the thing has been. Um, I have a huge conference coming up January 10th that I'm so excited about. I I very boldly rented a theater that holds almost 600 people and Kelly Cardenas is coming as a speaker, which I'm super excited about. So working on that, working on some webinars and things like that. As far as advice, uh, I, I honestly think, like I said, I think that, you know, number one If you have a dream or something that you want, you've got to prove to God, universe, whatever, that you really want it. And how you do that is you start doing it today. You take that big audacious dream and you look at it and say, okay, you know, in my season where I'm at right now, yes, I don't have all the best materials. Yes, I don't have everything I need, but what can I do in the season I'm in right now with what I have to work with? How can I maximize that? And then let's move to the next step. And the next step, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I think if you're proactive on who you want to be later
0: and start being that person today, you will blow your mind with what you're able to accomplish. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you, to be a part of future webinars and keep in touch with you and all of your events that you're doing?
1: Yes. So I have obviously email. They can reach me on e- email, which is concepts the number one at gmail.com. Um, Also, I'm on Facebook as Lisa L. Carr, and then also I'm on um, Instagram as Lisa Carr. This has been a dream of mine to be on with you, Tina, so I so appreciate you acknowledging me and, and having me on.
0: See, I didn't even know it was a dream, and here I heard you speak, and I'm like, I have to have her, I have to have her, right? So always be ready, always be ready. That's another good message of being proactive. I love that so much. I love you, Lisa. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.